Hello, and welcome to This Week in the Canadian Revolution, a podcast by Fightback, the Marxist voice of labor and youth. We live in a revolutionary epoch. The crisis of the capitalist system is creating political polarization and instability in every single country, as millions of people look for a way out. The product of this is unprecedented social upheaval and yes, revolution. Now we firmly believe that the crisis of capitalism is creating the conditions for socialist revolution. Yes, even in Canada. The point of this podcast is to provide a Marxist analysis of what Trotsky described as the molecular process of socialist revolution. This week in the Canadian Revolution, we are going to talk about the conservative leadership race and is Trumpism coming to Canada? So the conservative leadership race is on September 10th uh, this year. Uh, The Conservative Party is the main establishment right wing party in Canada. Uh, And the race is shaping up to be uh, a contest, at least it seems to be a contest between right wing populism Uh, similar to Donald Trump uh, in the person of Pierre Polyev and uh, your typical establishment conservative politician, Jean Charest, on the other side. Uh, And to be honest, from basing ourselves just on all of the polls, it looks like Pierre Polyev, the Trumpite candidate, is going to win. Uh, So this is obviously something that we need to pay attention to and we need to be able to explain And we need to be able to understand as Marxists what to do about it and how to fight this threat, which is a different threat that we haven't actually seen in mainstream politics in Canada. Uh, So, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, In order to talk about this, I have uh, fight back activist Adam Zenadine, who is with me today. Adam has been researching the issue and he's going to help us uh, to uh, to uh, deal with it. So I don't know. Hello, Adam. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joel. It's good to be here. So yeah, I think it's probably best, rather than jumping right into the candidates uh, off the bat, it's important to understand the context of how we got here. Um, So, um, and I think it's probably useful to go all the way back to the last conservative government of Stephen Harper, which was in power for nine years from 2006 to 2015, uh, and was quite a especially near the end of their rule were quite a hated government um and you you know you had the barbaric cultural practices hotline of kelly leach a minister in the harper government that was is totally islamophobic uh there was the uh, during the 2015 election stephen harper famously made a comment about old stock canadians which was generally a racist xenophobic comment Mm -hmm. uh and all of these things kind of combined into uh, a big anti-Harper wave, uh, which coalesced around Justin Trudeau. Uh, From our point of view, unfortunately, it coalesced Mm -hmm. around Justin Trudeau. It, to be honest, should have gone around the NDP, but uh, the NDP had been moving uh, uh, rightwards, to be honest, uh, under Thomas Mulcair, the actually ex-liberal, uh, he was a liberal minister in the Quebec government, became the leader of the NDP. They removed socialism from the constitution, started talking about balancing the budget, which was 
a general like sort of conservative or liberal uh, talking point. And this allowed in this context of uh, anger against the Harper conservatives who had been putting through austerity measures and people were very angry at them, uh, allowed Justin Trudeau to come in and talk, talk about, I'm not going to balance a budget. I'm going to do deficit spending to fund social programs. He even criticized the NDP saying, you can't be Tommy Douglas on a Stephen Harper budget. Um, and since this time, this is the context that led to the Trudeau government coming in. Uh, and and uh, that explains the context at which the Conservative Party has been soul searching. They've been looking for how to beat Justin Trudeau, how to get some chinks in his armor, how to, how to uh, reestablish themselves as the dominant force. And uh, I guess we could fast track a bit for the interest of time and talk about the last leader, uh, Aaron O'Toole, who uh, was turfed this year, which is why we have the conservative leadership race. So I don't know, Adam, do you want to maybe tell yeah. us a bit about Aaron O'Toole and how he came to his demise? Yeah, no, Aaron O'Toole, I mean, he obviously wanted to run to the right. And that's how he got the party leadership. You know, he uh, he moved rightwards to try to appeal to the party base as much as possible um, in his uh, campaign. And then when he won the leadership, he then dropped all of that immediately. <laughs> he started he started shifting, uh, you know, to left um, as much as a conservative party leader can. Um, and, you know, that this uh, expressed itself in all kinds of ways. Uh, like, for example, he supported the uh, bill that was to ban, um, you know, uh, uh, gay conversion therapy, which is a horrible practice um, in Canada. Um, he supported that bill. A bunch of the conservative MPs, of course, were like, no, that's horrible. What do you mean? You're going to appeal to gay people? We're the conservatives, you know? Uh, so uh, so they attacked him for that, um, you know, and that was, uh, he, you know, he lost a lot of credibility in the party as a result of that. Uh, and eventually, uh, you know, uh, the MPs just couldn't take it anymore and he got thrown out. Um, and I think the press, the thing that sparked uh, his eventual downfall was the convoy, uh, you know, the trucker convoy, which gripped the news uh, for a while there. Yeah, I so think, I think yeah, that's, ahead, it's a good, it's a good point to introduce the convoy, uh, which, uh, you know, I think is a, it's a, we talked about that previously on the podcast. We had a couple of podcasts talking about this. this is a this is a warning to the left that there is a the the right wing is starting to gain some traction on an anti-establishment message, and so this uh, I'll correct you so-called trucker convoy. <laughs> not a whole hell of a lot of truckers were involved in this movement. Actually, most truckers are not involved. Were not involved in that movement. It was mostly, I mean, there were trucker, trucking company owners that were financing it and behind it. It was a petty bourgeois, bourgeois movement, largely. Um, but they did get some support. I mean, the polls show that the, 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 free, the so-called freedom convoy or whatever you want to call it was uh, uh, supported, at least in the beginning, by a lot of people who were very upset at the management of the pandemic or the mismanagement of the pandemic by the go Trudeau government and by the various provincial governments. Um, <clears throat> and we're supporting this this uh, very confused right-wing movement. Um, and yeah, this is where, I mean, Pierre Polyev comes in because mm -hmm. O'Toole was turfed because he wasn't supporting the convoy. Uh, and a lot of people in the Conservative Party, especially people like Pierre Polyev, probably the most clear example, mm -hmm. uh, he, they, they figured, oh, this whole thing about how we have to pretend to be like the liberals to not, to gain support that O'Toole was doing 
is not true. We can just be bigoted, right-wing, <laughs> kind of <laughs> Trump-like uh, conservatives, and that uh, maybe we can get, there's a certain popularity we can get there. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is, I think, explaining the context of uh, how we got here. So yeah, in this context of the Freedom Convoy uh, and uh, yeah, all this other stuff that we described going on, there was a bit of a shift in the Conservative Party. I think in the ranks, definitely you could see that, but but in the, the members of parliament themselves, where mm -hmm. they started to think, wait a minute, this whole, one, I think, as you described, a lot of them were just annoyed at Aaron O'Toole, that he had got elected on a, like, sort of social conservative right-wing basis, and then, and then was pretending to be a liberal, you know, talking about mm -hmm. inclusivity and diversity and how he liked unions and stuff, which was just a bizarre line for the conservative party. Um, and yeah, so this is where Pierre Polyev throws his his hat in the race. He was the first one to come into the Conservative Party race. Um, and I don't know, do you want to maybe explain, like, what is the main message that he's trying to bring into the Conservative Party race? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think when he came in, uh, especially with the convoy, like, he, he painted himself as this anti-establishment uh, figure, you know, that this outsider that's uh, that's coming in and trying to support, uh, you know, this fake trucker convoy. Um, he called them heroes. Uh, you know, which was a huge contrast to, to O'Toole, who, you know, wanted nothing to do with them, wouldn't even go out and meet with them, whereas Pierre Polyev actually did, uh, you know, and he, this allowed him to paint himself, actually, as this anti-establishment, pro-the-people um, person, uh, which, of course, is farcical. I mean, if you go back to 2020, when you had indigenous blockades uh, all over Canada protesting, you know, uh, the, the pipelines that were running through indigenous land and the attacks by the RCMP on the indigenous people. What was uh, Pierre Polyev saying? Uh, oh, you know, these blockades are horrible. <laughs> They're limiting the mobility of Canadians. No one should do this. We need to bring down the blockades. This is stuff he said publicly. You can find videos of it. And then you go to 2022 and he's talking about how, you know, these uh, truckers are heroes and this blockade is great. So it's a complete opportunist, you know, sort of uh, move by him you can totally see it but his main message is is this it's this kind of appeal to the working class this appeal to regular uh, working class canadians talking about making canada the freest uh, nation on earth talking about uh you know eliminating the gatekeepers which is very reminiscent of trump uh, trumpian kind of uh monologuing about draining the swamp it's very similar but it's it's silly, you know. He's a, he's a complete hypocrite. He hasn't worked a day in his life. He's a career politician and has been uh, since uh, you know he was quite young. So it's uh, I think he's a total opportunist. But that's his appeal, right? Is that he's trying to appeal to the masses rather than be the standard conservative uh, torchbearer, you know? Yeah. So this is. I mean, there was the video, and if, if people haven't watched it, they should. The video that he put out launching his Conservative Party bit, it is a completely different message than what Aaron O'Toole, Andrew Scheer, or even Stephen Harper, or any of these guys would ever say. He's talking about, he mentions the working class. He, talk, he kind of says against the financial elites, mm -hmm. which is very bizarre it's it's almost like reminiscent of that trump language talking about the the wall street elites and he'd, he'd have this like kind of language about how the system's rigged and they're out to it's a populist message right and actually the danger with that message uh 
And it is weird that Polyev is saying it in the same sense that it was strange that this millionaire Trump, Donald Trump, saying this stuff about wall street when it's like what are you talking about you know even saying stuff about china a lot of donald trump's products are created in china so it's, <laughs> like, it's totally hypocritical but with, with lack of a actually genuine left alternative which we'll get into at the end of the podcast uh this can actually have some traction uh so yeah it's this this populist right populist mm-hmm. message that pierre polyev is putting forward and it seems to be wildly popular in the conservative party ranks uh, and so, yeah, there is a chance, as we talked about, that he could win this race. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe. So I guess the question is, he going to win? Like, what kind of competition is he up against? Uh, and that leads us to the other side, which is, uh, I mean, I think in behind the scenes, the Conservative Party establishment was, was has been freaking and probably is still freaking out about this. In the same sense, that the Republican Party, if you remember, united to try to beat Donald Trump and failed. (laughs) He mobilized uh, a lot of people to win that and they were so discredited that they couldn't stop him. But the Conservative Party, we're not sure if that's gonna happen exactly, but there is a certain battle shaping up. The Conservative Party establishment was obviously freaking out and looking for their champion candidate to beat Pierre Polyev. And they seem to have settled on uh, Jean Charest who was the leader of the Conservative Party at one point, briefly in the 90s, early 90s, and was the premier of Quebec uh, for like 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Adam, do you want to maybe tell us like, what is what is Jean Charest, what is his program? Like, what is he saying? And how is it different than Pierre Polyev? Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think Jean Charest's whole point is, you know, to try to carry on the conservative establishment uh, positions and, and traditions inside of the party. Um, and to be honest, he's behind, like he's totally not the foreigner at all. Like Pierre Polyev has been bringing out, like he, he goes to Edmonton and he gets a rally of like 5,000 people going, you know, for a conservative leadership race, that's completely unheard of. It's, it's absurd, you know, whereas Jean Charest, you know, no, no way is he getting those numbers um, and no way is he getting that traction from the conservative base. Um, and I think it's because people are sick of that establishment rhetoric, right? And he is very traditional um, kind of establishment like he uh, wants more for example free trade agreements uh, with the EU he wants to increase the military uh, budget you know he wants to go to two percent um, of GDP and and make uh, the Canadian military strong you know he wants to spend more money on guns instead of uh, programs that are actually going to help uh, working class Canadians he also wants to privatize parts of the healthcare system you know he hasn't been shy about that he talks about privatizing uh, MRIs um, and certain uh, surgeries and so on. So he's basically your standard, you know, run-of-the-mill austerity establishment conservative, which which is his legacy <laughs> and was his legacy, you know, in Quebec, uh, for example, when he was uh, there. So it, it it it's not surprising, you know, that he's uh, not winning <laughs> right now. Um, but but I guess we'll see. We'll see. The jury's not out on that. Yeah, so Jean Charest, uh, well, I had a lot of experience with Jean Charest because when I lived in Quebec, he was premier for most of the time. And uh, yeah, he 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 came to power, uh, I believe it was 2004. And his message was basically uh, things need to change. Uh, Quebec is overtaxed and uh, is not a competitive market in the world capitalism, which is true. 
<laughs> uh, and so his solution to this was actually uh, cut corporate taxes, cut capital gains taxes, uh, and therefore the state has less money. We need to defund certain social programs. There was creeping privatization in the healthcare system. This all coalesced around a movement of Quebec establishment elites in, in not just in the Liberal Party, but in the in the Nationalist Party, uh, Parti Québécois and the Bloc Québécois as well, where uh, ex-Parti Québécois Premier Lucien Bouchard published a manifesto called Apport in Québec Lucide for a clear-eyed vision of Quebec, where he outlined, we need to increase tuition fees, we need to privatize, you need to be more competitive on the world market. And Jean Charest had said, this is music to my ears. Um, so this was the Jean Charest uh, a regime that was established in Quebec for many years. Uh, and it was brutal attacks on all layers of the population, working class, young people, uh, cuts to social programs, general cost of living went up. <clears throat> um, yeah, and this is really what he represents. He represents the unveiled interests of the establishment, uh, the, the, sorry, the capitalist establishment, basically. Um, and in context of capitalist crisis, talking about balancing the budget, as uh, you mentioned, is uh, he, what he's what he's mentioning, uh, what he's talking about. I mean, people in Quebec will remember this. The balancing the budget rhetoric is cuts. It's attacks. It's cuts. Um, so, yeah, that's what he stands for. And he was defeated. He hasn't been in politics since 2012. I wonder why. Well, uh, there was hap there happened to be. And this actually helps us to talk a bit about later of how to beat both Charest or Polyev, whoever wins, <laughs> is how Charest was brought down. He is actually the only standing premier in Quebec's history to ever lose his seat in an election. Uh, and that was because there was a massive student movement. The 2012 student strike was actually more than a student strike. It's known as the Quebecois Spring. It was a mass movement, hundreds of thousands in the streets. Uh, the public ed education system was actually paralyzed for for several months, mm -hmm. for, for actually probably upwards of seven, eight months. And he called an election and he lost <laughs> on the basis of this movement. So we can thank the Quebec Quebecois youth for that. Uh, but now he's back. He's trying to get back in <laughs> politics. Um, but yeah, this is the this is a bit who Jean Charest is. Um, we've written extensively on his reign in Quebec. You can read about that on marxist.ca. We have also written quite a bit about <clears throat> the 2012 student strike, which, mm -hmm. yeah, we have a podcast about that that we put out because uh, it is the 10th anniversary of that, uh, that incredible, uh, inspiring movement uh, this year. But yeah, so we have, we have Pierre Polyev, the, uh, the right populist candidate, and we have Jean Charest, the establishment conservative uh, candidate. I mean, is there anything else, Adam, that you have to say about uh, either of these candidates or Jean Charest uh, before we take a little uh, commercial break? Um, yeah, I've been, I mean, I think uh, in terms of Jean Charest's legacy, like he had a total contempt, you know, for the youth and the working class in Quebec. You know, this is why, this is a big part of why these establishment conservative types are losing uh, ground, you know, in a context where you have almost 7% inflation, enormously rising uh, living costs, you know, no one can afford uh, rent, <laughs> food, uh, school, you know, you have this guy whose legacy is to, you know, spit on <laughs> the youth and, and the workers in Quebec trying to run uh, for the Conservative Party leadership and trying to talk about, you know, oh, I want to be Prime Minister and I'm going to help Canada and all of these things. It's complete bullshit. 
it's complete bullshit and people see right through that uh now um you know uh i think i think one of the uh, more clear examples of this um is uh you know the fact that he he essentially just wants to um cut uh, as much as possible from things like healthcare, things like childcare, but he doesn't want to outright say it. <laughs> so he, these types never actually say what their program is in terms of I'm going to come out and do austerity. Um, you know, they try to hide it. They try to pepper it over. They talk about choices for um, working class Canadians instead, right? Um, you know, oh, you'll get all these great tax cuts um, if I'm in office and so on. But in reality, you know, they're going to cut social programs um, and they're only going to give tax cuts to the Rich, right? It's not going to be about working class uh, Canadians if he gets into office. Yeah, Sheree also has some stuff about blockades as well, because he he isn't, you know, we mentioned uh, Pierre Polyev was opposed to indigenous blockades and then in favor of the the, the, the so-called freedom convoy. Uh, but I don't know, do you do you want to maybe speak to that? Like, what is yeah. Jean Charest saying about this? Because he's not He's not a lover of blockades. No, no. I mean, he doesn't even pretend to be like Polyev. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's just out here talking about how blockades should just be straight up illegal. Um, you know, and you don't have to hear it from us. You can read it right from his website. He wants to declare, you know, Canada's pipeline, utilities, telecom infrastructure, mines, energy production, uh, railways, ports. Um, critical infrastructure and make it illegal to blockade any of these places. Now, uh, now this might not seem uh, so bad, um, but then you realize that actually this would make strikes illegal. <laughs> you know, there was a, a really um, impressive, uh, for example, co-op refinery strike uh, in 2018, I believe, um, you know, uh, that blockaded the oil refinery there as workers were fighting, um, you know, for better living conditions and working conditions and so on. Under a Jean Charest government, if he manages to pass this completely authoritarian law, by the way, um, you know, if he does pass that, those workers would have been crushed. Um, the RCM would would have full legal right to go out and um, you know arrest these workers for blocking quote unquote critical infrastructure. So uh, you know essentially his opposition to blockades, he's using this fake trucker convoy and and the mess that it caused. He's using it to put forward a thinly veiled attacks on the right of workers to strike, the right of workers to organize in Canada, right, by making uh, these things illegal. So it's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely authoritarian. It's anti-worker, you know, at its core. And uh, Marxists and socialists should absolutely oppose anything like this, you know, putting more power in the hands of the capitalist state, uh, which would crush the powers of the workers even further. Yeah, and guaranteed this would also, this would be used against uh, the environmental activists uh, protesting uh, developments that are destroying the environment, uh, indigenous protesters protesting against pipeline developments on their land, which we've already seen, as we mentioned, an, a number of these. Uh, so yeah, he's, uh, well, at least he's more consistent where Pierre Polyev is opposing indigenous uh, blockades, it's but more honest. In, <laughs> in favor of <laughs> the right-wing blockades, uh, Jean Charest is just opposed to all blockades because he is a representative of the conservative establishment, where as Pierre Polyev is being an opportunist uh, populist of trying to get some support. Um, anyway, we'll see. And I think actually these policies help us understand the relative popularity of each of these figures, uh, whereas Pierre Polyev is able, well, so far he's able to get some, some popularity on the basis of his stance. Jean Charest, I mean, 
he's more representing the unveiled interests of the capitalist state and the capitalist class, which is a small minority in the population. And that sort of thing doesn't elicit a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, although we'll see, potentially, maybe he can come up with something that might get some support. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, before we get into, there are other people in the conservative race, uh, party leadership race, but before we get into that, uh, I would like to take a short commercial break. Uh, you are listening to This Week in the Canadian Revolution. This is a podcast by Fightback. Uh, and yeah, Fightback, we have a, a, a fortnightly journal, our magazine, Fightback magazine. You can get it your copy on marxist.ca. Uh, and we encourage you to subscribe to our paper. Um, it helps us uh, sustain our publication. Uh, and you can get a, yeah, a hard-hitting Marxist analysis delivered right to your door. We also have e-subscription options. And I am going to read out our subscribers for the week. We have, I believe, including our French paper, La Riposte Socialiste, we have 17 subscribers. So it's, again, once a, a very good week. We're having a, actually a sustained amount of people getting out subscriptions to Fight Back magazine. We had an excellent May Day. Uh, we intervened. We were present in nine different May Day demos in different cities across the country. And we had a whole bunch. We had many different people getting out subscriptions to Fight Back magazine. But yeah, the new fight back subscribers are, uh, and we'd like to thank you. Thank you, comrades. Thank you, supporters. Thank you, friends. Uh, we have Wendy, we have Jasmine, Arzu, uh, Joel, Odin, Ed, Sasha, Nadine, Elizabeth, Warren, Kiwe, David, Sarp, Benjamin, Marissa. And those are the fight, fight back subscribers. The subscribers to La Riposte Socialiste is Julia and Sakif. So anyway, thank you very much. And for any of you listening to this podcast and you're subscribing to our paper and you like what, or do, what we do, I encourage you to help us on a sustained monthly basis. Uh, go to our website. There's options to be a, become a solidarity subscriber to fight back. Give us 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 bucks a month. It really helps us do what we do, which takes time, effort, energy, uh, and yes, ultimately money uh, uh, to be able to, to do this. So please help us build the forces of Marxism. Um, so yeah, back into it with Adam here. Um, so yeah, there are other people in the race, uh, although I think the polls show, you know, <clears throat> the, the polls show that Polyev is quite ahead amongst Conservative Party supporters, at least 30, 40 something percent of support. Sheree is the next closest around. Uh, he's somewhere in the teens generally. Uh, but then you do have a few other people who are in single digit territory. Doesn't mean that they can't win. It just means it's less likely. But we should probably take a few minutes to talk about them. So uh, I don't know, Adam, you want to maybe introduce us to the other characters here in this uh, charade? Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of them, uh, to be honest, and most of them are not worth <laughs> discussing because uh, they will almost certainly, unless something crazy happens, um, not really uh, be contenders. Um, but I think the two like runner-ups after uh, Sheree, you have Patrick Brown, who is uh, the mayor of Brampton um, and has been for quite a while now. Uh, most people actually know Patrick Brown, not, not from... Uh, any political things he's really done, but because of the scandal that he was in, where he was accused of uh, sexual assault by two women. And that story was published on CTV um, and he sued CTV to take it down, but it was never you know, disproven. You can actually still find it in the archives <laughs> if you want to read it. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's actually, what, what's crazy is that in any other party, 
if you got accused of that, uh, you know, and it was it was uh, still out there, you would not be able to run for party leader. So only in the conservative party can uh, someone accused of sexual assault still be uh, party leader, apparently. So uh, he's running on just this kind of very typical conservative um, uh, balanced budgets type stuff. He's pretending to be pro-immigrant, which again is hilarious because he's running for a party that had the uh, hotline for barbaric cultural practices under Stephen Harper. Uh, so uh, it's very amusing to see him try to angle um, in that way. And then you have also Leslie Lewis, um, who's, uh, you know, uh, alongside him uh, in, in uh, some ways in the polls. And she's the social conservative uh, kind of party lead in, in a lot of ways. The, the Christian social conservative base of the conservative party support her. Um, she has all kinds of stuff. She's very anti-vax. Uh, she uh, is anti-abortion, actually. Uh, she wants to outlaw certain types of abortions. She's been unclear on which types. Um, so she wants to open the door to that uh, uh, disgusting uh, policy in Canadian politics. Um, so I think, uh, you know, but honestly, these these figures, <laughs> they're not very relevant um, in the race. You know, Polyev is 66% in some polls, um, you know, uh, so he's very, very, very far ahead. Um, and the Conservative Party base does uh, very much love him. Okay, cool. Thanks. So yeah, there's a number of people in the race. Uh, Patrick Brown. I mean, uh, I've heard rumors that he's in some sort of pact with uh, Jean Charest. It makes a bit of sense that he's doing the pro-immigrant thing because, well, he's a mayor of Brampton. <laughs> Brampton is a huge uh, immigrant community. Uh, and maybe they're trying to, and actually, I think this is one of the reasons why Pierre Polyev is so far, correct me if I'm wrong, been a bit silent on, he's not stoking the fires of anti-immigrant sentiment, uh, because I think based on what happened with Stephen Harper in 2015 with the old stock Canadians comment and the culture, barbaric cultural practices hotline, they don't want to really do that again, because Canada is a very diverse country. The working class is multi-ethnic. I, you say anything like that, racist, I, you might get some support in some small rural towns where people haven't seen anybody not like themselves, but you do that and you plummet in the major cities. So uh, yeah. I'm not surprising that Patrick Brown is doing that. And maybe he'll try to recruit a whole bunch of um, uh, <clears throat> racialized folks into the party to support uh, him and de facto Jean Charest against Pierre Polyev. Although we'll see. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. Leslie Lewis clearly represents that. But, but conservative uh, Christian uh, social conservative base. But I mean, both of these figures are only at, like I said, four or five percent in most polls. Um, so I guess, yeah, it is really shaping up and it is essentially a Polyev versus Charest race. And Pierre Polyev is in the lead, as we have mentioned. Uh, there's a few polls out. Uh, that show him at, yeah, the last poll, Ipsos, 32% of Conservative Party supporters would support Pierre Polyev versus 14% for Jean Charest. Uh, a Leger poll a uh, week before uh, April 10th showed 43% support Pierre Polyev over 18% for Jean Charest. And the other candidates are 5% or less. Um, yeah, so, I mean, these are the main polls. Uh, some of the ones prior to this, it's a bit, more difficult to say how accurate they are because a lot a lot of people were in the race and the people hadn't been releasing programs and whatnot uh and actually polyev himself hasn't released his full program yet but it does seem like the dust is settling a bit after the initial 
announcements and Pierre Polyev is quite ahead amongst conservative party voters. So I guess then, does this mean that he's inevitably gonna win? Uh, like the conservative party leadership race? I mean, I don't know. That that's a big question for us. Are we going to have a Trumpite conservative party heading into the next election? Um, I don't know, Adam. You want to speak to this? Yeah, I think. I mean, the question of can he win? Could Trump have won? <laughs> you know, a lot of people asked this question, and a lot of people said no. And actually, in the lead up to Trump's victory, everyone didn't take him seriously. Everyone, everyone thought it was a big joke. Um, especially in the media, right, especially amongst the establishment. Um, they did not really uh, care until it was too late. And then they tried to unite to stop him, you know, in the Republican Party and failed. Um, and I think uh, Polyev, I mean, uh, never call elections because <laughs> you never know. Uh, but it, it does look like, especially considering the way that he's posing himself as an anti-establishment figure and the appeal that he has, he probably will win, to be honest, um, you know, in some uh, in in terms of the conservative party uh, leadership. Um, but I think it's important to, you know, to highlight that a lot of his policies, they don't target the real root of the problems, right? And this is the, the nature of this anti-establishment right-wing populism um, that, that Trump kind of pioneered, is that it, it talks about the problems that are generated by capitalism, actually. This is, this, these are all issues that are generated by capitalism. For example, he talks about the housing crisis, right? And the fact that homes cost millions of dollars, that the current generation, you know, compared to their parents, they'll never be able to afford a home on a working class salary. It's just impossible, you know, to do that. Um, you know, he talks a lot about that. But what are what is the solution to that? You know, it's actually instead of to seize the existing homes, right, the 1.4 million vacant homes in Canada and actually give them to people that need them. His solution instead is we need to build more homes. And the way to do that is to get rid of the government red tape, you know, the gatekeepers, you know. Um, but the housing crisis is not a supply problem. <laughs> you know, there's more than enough homes in Canada to, to house everyone, pretty much. Uh, you know, uh, the, the housing crisis is a problem of capitalism. It's a problem of the wealthy buying up all the homes, right? But Polyev can't say that because at his heart, he supports capitalism, right? He's a supporter of the free market. Um, and this is the, the fundamental issue. So can he win? Yes, he can win, uh, but it will not resolve any of the problems, right? Uh, that, that Canadian working class people are facing. And just like Trump in America, where he won and he did more of the same, that's what a Polyev uh, government would do. It would do more of the same, right? It would run on this anti-establishment message, and then it would moderate itself to the establishment and would help promote capitalism. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think first things first, we should, I think there is another thing to nail down in terms of can he win? So yes, he could. And Trump won. So we should think that just because he's saying a bunch of wacky normally things that are totally outside of the mainstream that it's never going to happen the polls show that it totally could there is one thing that i think we need to nail down though the vote the way that the voting takes place in the conservative party i think it's important to describe this because that's true uh <clears throat> if he has a majority of conservative party members supporting him doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win uh do you want to speak to this why is that is the, isn't that anti-democratic? Like, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what's going on? 
how is the voting taking place? Like, how, do the, how does the Conservative Party decide who their leader is? Yes, they have, um, they have a, a very strange voting system. It's, it's actually weighted uh, by um, uh, writing, basically, instead of by, you know, majority rules, which is what any democratic system should have. Instead, it's, um, you know, each writing, even if you win more writings, um, you know, the, each writing represents a certain number of delegates, basically, and those delegates go to the total um, vote count. Um, and so you can have a situation where Polyev maybe dominates in like Edmonton, you know, and, and uh, the big cities, uh, for example, like Vancouver or whatever. And then, you know, Charest wins, I don't know, a couple of small writings in like Newfoundland, and then they would get an equal number of <laughs> um, delegates. Uh, it's very reminiscent of the electoral college in, in the States, uh, for example. So it's actually, it is actually a bit anti-democratic um, and it's uh, it's not, you know, majority rules. So there is a chance for the establishment and the conservative party to use this, this uh, voting mechanism, you know, to their advantage and to um, edge out Polyev on these kind of uh, legal uh, voting technicalities. It's totally possible. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, the Conservative Party, I think a lot of people, the, the modern Conservative Party is actually the product of a merger after a split. So actually, going, this is interesting because Jean Charest became the leader of the Federal Conservative Party after they were crushed by the Chrétien liberals in the 90s. And actually, the reason why they were crushed was because there was a split and the Western Prairie Conservatives under Preston Manning and the Reform Party took almost all of the conservative seats in the West and this led to a massive collapse of the Conservative Party, uh, who only got a couple of seats. Uh, so they, they're trying to avoid the division between the, I guess, Western prairie, more socially conservative types, and the Eastern, I guess, Bay Street conservative types by putting in this uh, weighted system by, I guess it's by riding or province or whatever, so that no leader is only leading from like, okay, Pierre Polyev is bringing out thousands of people to some of his rallies in Alberta. Uh, that's not surprise. That's not that surprising. Alberta is kind of the heart of Canadian conservatism. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess the danger for the Conservative Party would be is if Pierre Polyev only had support in a few provinces and he wins the leadership race, and then they sail into the election and he takes all, all the seats in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Alberta and gets crushed everywhere else, and the Liberals still win. So they don't want that to happen. So that's why they're putting this weighted system through. So it is still a bit up in the air uh, if Polyev can win support uh, in uh, the majority of provinces, which would allow him to win the leadership. Uh, I think it's possible. Uh, there's a lot of time until the vote. Uh, his message is also... I, I could see why it would gain more traction than Charest's would amongst conservative voters. So uh, yeah, that's one thing to keep to, to, to take into consideration. It's not just a foregone conclusion that he wins. This is maybe something that, that the, the conservative, and, and you do have the entire conservative party establishment mobilizing basically for Charest, I think, and against Polyev. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then I guess, then the question is, well, if, Okay, if Polyev wins the, lead the conservative leadership race, which looks likely based on his support in the party, uh, could he win the election? Maybe we get to get into, get into that. 
uh, I don't know, Adam, do you want to come in on this? Like yeah. If the, ne- the next election's in three years. He'd be facing up to, I guess, Justin Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh, potentially. Could mm-hmm. he win if he was a, if it was a Polyev right populist conservative party? Uh, would that actually win? Yeah. I, th- I think in some ways, like, we can, we can look at the American process and, and see what happened there, you know? Um, it's not like an exact one-to-one uh, comparison, you know, so uh, people shouldn't misunderstand that. But it is similar in, in a lot of ways, because what would happen is you'd have uh, Polyev presumably running on this anti-establishment message, right? And talking about the need uh, to, I mean, I mean, this guy, like, to be clear of what he says, he talks about a broken economic system. This is, <laughs> this is stuff he talks about. He talks about a broken economic system where money is printed to inflate the assets of the rich while uh, while money, uh, the cost of living for working class people increases. This is the kind of stuff he says, right? So he'd be running on that kind of message. And then meanwhile, what do you have against him? You have Trudeau's kind of uh, liberal, same old um, stuff that he's been saying where nothing has changed. And you have the NDP, instead of putting forward a bold socialist program in opposition to both of these people that support the capitalist system, you have the NDP tail ending liberals, right? And we've seen this with uh, the most recent budget. Um, and it's it, it reflects in the polls. You know, the NDP is down around like 19, uh, 18%, while the conservatives and liberals are going toe to toe at 34%, 35%, uh, you know, respectively. So it's very similar to what, what you had in, in the States where you had Trump versus Clinton and Bernie Sanders, instead of going out, making his own party on a socialist basis and trying to unite the working class, tail ended Clinton, right? And what did that lead to? that led to Trump winning. So it's it, I, there is a danger here basically for the working class movement. There's a big danger that you have uh, weak ass establishment <laughs> liberalism, weak establishment reformism versus anti-establishment right populism, right? That of course will do the same thing that conservatives always do. The, do. They will try to balance the budget and so on and they will do cuts, but in the election that won't be obvious. Right, they'll use the the messaging to cut across these two, so it's possible that Polyev wins. It's totally possible. Yeah, this is we talked about this previously about the convoy. This is a warning. I think a lot of people in Canada watch the Trump phenomenon, being like, "Oh, that's scary. It's not coming here. We're liberals. Look at our government. Look at his hair." Look at the performative statements he makes. We're all nice. We're not like those Americans. Uh, that is, uh, uh, don't be naive. I guess we're telling people, don't be silly. Don't have illusions that Canada is all that different. Uh, and this actually is important to understand the context. What is the context? What is the epoch we are living through? The the capitalist system is in crisis. It's an abject crisis. The only way that the capitalists and their governments, including the Trudeau government, stopped an absolute collapse, a full absolute collapse, like the Great Depression of 1929. Uh, the only way they stopped it uh, in 2020, at the beginning of COVID, was through, well, financial wizardry <laughs> from the main, from the central state, mass bailouts. Uh, it's not even Keynesianism from like, if you're familiar with John Maynard Keynes, like it was just basically printing money and giving it to companies, 
paying the wages of workers, which actually was an NDP idea. Uh, uh, so, I mean, that's just, and any, anyway, so this is, this is the context, absolute crisis of the capitalist system. The, the only way that they've, I wouldn't even say avoided the problem, delayed the problem. The only way they delayed the problem is through this printing, mass printing money, which Pierre Polyev is criticizing, <laughs> which mm -hmm. now has led to mass inflation. That's why I mean delay the problem. Inflation is almost at 7% now, actually last month or whatever the records record it. Uh, so this is, and now they're raising interest rates, which according to the Royal Bank of Canada, they're raising, why are they raising interest rates? They're raise, they have to raise interest rates. They have to raise interest rates because that's the only way the central bank can fight inflation. Mm -hmm. So pick your poison. You cannot escape the crisis of the capitalist system. You are either going to be paying through increased cost of food and basic services that you pay for through rising inflation, or they raise, infl they raise interest rates to combat inflation, which might not even combat inflation. <laughs> and the raising interest rates will increase the amount of money you pay servicing your debt. So the RBC basically said that that would likely, that will lead on average to, uh, that would lead for your average working class household paying $2,000 more in debt servicing payments. So pick your poison, capitalism's coming to get you. Mm -hmm. And this is the situation in which you have. And generally speaking, the anger gets directed against the government in power. And who's in power? The liberals are in power. And Pierre Polyev, you can see he is quite craftily, he's crafting his message to attack them and to garner public support against the government. And the government, it's not that, they, it's not even that the NDP are tail-ending them. They are supporting them. Yes. They are in a deal propping up the liberal government for peanuts, for peanuts that they were probably going to do anyway. It's a small reform on dental care. Um, we, we did a whole podcast about it. You can listen to that about the, the NDP liberal uh, non-coalition deal, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. So yeah, this is the situation in which you got three years into the next election with the Pierre Polyev Conservative Party railing on the right against the rigged system, the financial elites, uh, the printing of money with the NDP supporting the liberals and no left alternative. You be, of course, that could actually, that could win. We'd have to mm -hmm. be, we'd, we need to learn the lessons of Donald Trump. I mean, I think you can't just say that, oh, that was a blip, that was a one-off. <laughs> um, and also, I think one thing you mentioned, uh, you know, it's similar to the US in the sense that Jagmeet supporting Trudeau and Bernie supported Clinton, and then Trump won. A lot of people said we had to support, Bernie had to support Clinton, otherwise, he has to support Clinton, otherwise Trump's gonna win. Mm. Well, guess what? Trump he won. Did. <laughs> he did. He won when you supported him. And, I, and we would argue that actually, uh, maybe not in that election, but in the long run, supporting liberals means that the far right will win. Yes. They will win. They gain support. Look at the last French election. Le Pen still lost against Macron, but uh, gained massively in votes. And Macron collapsed in support. Biden who apparently everyone's so happy now <laughs> that Biden got elected against Trump is actually approval ratings lower than Donald Trump and Donald and Trumpism is not gone in America. Trump has essentially taken over the Republican party. Trumpism is alive and well. And the only way to defeat Trumpism is not with establishment liberalism or establishment reformism. It's with a revolutionary socialist alternative. 
I, I mean, people remember what was the context in which Donald Trump came to power? Eight years of Obama, eight years of Obama, the failures of Obama, the, the lackluster, people were very upset. It's, it's, all, it, it's very reminiscent of the feeling today with regards to the Trudeau government. It's like the sunny ways of the early days of the government are gone. People are very uh, kind of upset. They're, they're, they're not happy with the government. Um, and, and I think in three, a lot can happen in three years with a, with a developing capitalist crisis, with increasing inflation, with debt servicing payments going up. Uh, people will not be very happy and they'll be looking for a way to express this discontent. And we can't think that everyone is a conscious Marxist. Uh, people are, don't express their anger always in the most perfect way. And some people do get dragged to the right when there is a lack of an alternative on the left. So yes, I think it is entirely possible that Pierre Polyev could win uh, if, if you have a Polyev conservative uh, uh, party, they could win the election in three years. Uh, and that is a big, uh, that is something that we need to fight against. Um, uh, yeah, and you don't fight, as I, just to underline, you don't fight it with establishment liber liberalism or establishment reformism. Um, uh, I feel like I've been talking a little while here. Adam, do you want to come in? What, what <laughs> yeah, do we yeah. do? We don't want to end on a, on a negative note or just yeah. a don't do this uh like what are we we're marxists I, we're, we're we're talking about a, a socialist alternative um but yeah what, uh, what what do we mean by that i i think um yeah just just a, a final point on polyev and and his policies because i think it's um it's important to see the danger um as it's coming because what has Polyev talked about? And this is something he agrees with Sheree on, by the way, and all the conservatives agree. Um, balanced budgets, right? This is this is the thing they're they're talking about. And Polyev specifically talks about a balanced budget scheme, a pay-as-you-go scheme, similar to America's uh, budget in the 1990s. And if you go back and you read about the American budget of the 1990s, it was a horrible austerity period. You know, social programs were clawed back all over the place, right? All the way until the uh, early 2000s, basically. You just had social program after social program being cut. And that's how you balance the budget. Now, all of them aren't saying that because they don't want to uh, you know, say that uh, openly. You have to run to the uh, quote unquote left, not really the left, but you have to run in a way that uh, appeals to people. And then when you govern, you govern uh, to the right. So Polyev isn't saying that, um, but that's what, what a balanced budget under a Polyev government would mean, right? That's the cost of establishment reformism. Um, as you said, Joel, that's the cost of it is a Polyev government puts in huge austerity, similar to uh, the 90s. Um, um, and so on. But I think, you know, yeah, we, we don't want to be negative. I think it's totally possible to defeat this. You know, we have to understand that. Yes, people can be duped. Um, but the only reason that they're being duped is because there's no proper left socialist alternative that is being presented to them, right? Um, when Polyev talks about, uh, you know, the problems of inflation, the problems of cost of living, the problems of the housing crisis, what we have to say is, the, the rich, the capitalist system is what's causing this problem. You know, it's these people at the top that are siphoning all the wealth and taking all the wealth and growing massively in profits. They've grown by billions and billions of dollars in profits during the pandemic while we suffer, 
right? That's what we have to explain to people. And that the only way out of this crisis is not more capitalist reforms. It's not Keynesianism or supply side economics. It's actually, uh, you know, socialist solutions. It's nationalizing the economy and putting it into working class hands, right? This is, this is what we have to do. So we have to organize, right? That's, that's the end goal. We must organize and that's how we oppose uh, Polyev and Jean Charest, establishment conservatism and anti-establishment populism. Yeah, I think that hits the nail on the head there. Really, what we're talking about is it's never been a better moment to fight for socialism. Don't think that you're safe from capitalism. Don't think that you're safe from far-right populism. Uh, the crisis of capitalism leads to political polarization as millions and millions of people search for a way out. The left wing, the labor movement, the student movement needs to channel that anger against the capitalist system and point a way out to a new form of society not based on a small minority of individuals control, controlling and owning everything, lording over us. And, uh, and cutting our social services and making hundreds of billions of dollars, which is actually what happened last year. Canadian, corporate profits for, for Canada have, have skyrocketed massively over the pandemic and people know this and they're looking for that type of criticism and they want a bold revolutionary criticism. They want a criticism that points the finger at the real culprits. The, and this is really, I think you explained it well, the, the way to expose the far the right populist criticism is, is you have to have a left populist criticism, <laughs> which means a socialist criticism, which means anti-capitalist criticism. And right now, unfortunately, the NDP is not doing that. Uh, there isn't, that doesn't exist in the labor movement. It's quite, uh, it's in a bit of a sorry state, to be honest. We had Mayday, we, we were at Mayday the other day around the country and the demos were quite small. And I don't blame people actually for not showing up. Like they, there wasn't that sort of bold message put forward by the labor leaders. So uh, it's not, uh, but it's not a foregone conclusion. A lot can happen in three years, but it's up to us. We need to build that movement. We need to build that movement fighting against the capitalist system, fighting for a socialist future, for a socialist alternative to counter the rise of the far right uh, with a socialist message. And I encourage you to get in touch with us. You're listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah, it's not one of those situations where you can sit on the sideline and just watch it happen. You need to join us. You need to get involved. You need to help us fight for socialism. We are growing a coast to coast to coast in dozens of cities all across the country. Uh, fight back. Laudy, comrades with Fight Back, Laudy Post Socialist, and the International Marxist Tendency are fighting for a socialist alternative to the to the outright to the to the darkness of the of, of the what the capitalist system is proposing to us and we're seeing it again and again so yeah join us and help and fight for a positive uh message a socialist future uh where we you know there's more than enough wealth in our society uh productivity of labor efficiency is through the roof there's more than enough to to con to, to really tackle all of the problems that we face today but it requires shifting the goalposts <laughs> shifting what we're saying you know we don't accept the capitalist system uh we want to build a new system we want a socialist we want a socialist canada we want a socialist world ultimately so yeah please join us and fight for that in the movement 
And with that, we can beat back the forces of the far right, and we can beat back the forces of all of the capitalist parties. And I'll leave it at that. You have been listening to This Week in the Canadian Revolution, where we analyze the events of the class struggle, the turbulence and polarization brought upon by the crisis of the capitalist system in order to prepare activists for the coming revolutionary events so that we can fight back and build socialism in our lifetime. You can find us at marxist.ca and we will be doing this podcast every week. So we hope that you tune in again.